You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 5720 Ridge Avenue. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. Baptizing people and proclaiming this message to turn away from their sin and turn back to God. The people thought that he was the long-awaited Messiah to the point that the Pharisees wanted to keep tabs on him. They were this group of powerful Jewish leaders trying to purify Israel through um, strict observance of Jewish law. So when they heard about John baptizing people, they wanted to find out who he really was. So they sent some priests and some Levites from Jerusalem to question him. And John said very clearly, I am not the Messiah. They thought maybe he was Elijah then, because for centuries they had read about this great prophet, Elijah, who would return before the great and terrible day of the Lord. That prophecy was in Malachi. If you know Elijah's story from the Old Testament, he didn't die in an ordinary way. He was taken up to heaven directly in 2 Kings. So many people believed that he would come back to announce God's new day. And then there were also prophecies where God promised to raise up a prophet like Moses to lead the people. So they knew they 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 knew to expect that someone would come. And this strange man called John, who was announcing a message from God, seemed like he could be the one. But he denied it. He denied it and all of the expectations of the people by insisting that someone greater than himself was coming. He said that he was getting people ready for someone else, believing that Israel's God had commanded him to baptize people with water in preparation. And as far as himself, the only claim that he made was to be, like Joel said, the voice in the wilderness, which was a prophecy in Isaiah that called for the way to be prepared. Make straight the paths. The master is coming. My seven-year-old asked me this week, what it means to prepare the way of the Lord. I was singing that song that we sang earlier from Godspell under my breath, and he picked up on it, and he wanted to know what that meant. So I've been thinking about that all week. We are preparing the way of the Lord. This, this is why we have Advent, because we need to prepare ourselves and our lives and our hearts for the coming of Jesus We need to experience it. And in a season that vies for our loves and our bodies, literally, with all of the busyness and overindulgence and sensational consumerism, the birth of Christ might just be something that we know while our bodies are living out a different story. So we need to experience it. And Advent should be the antidote to that kind of disembodied Christianity. David Benner, in his book, Soulful Spirituality, says that spirituality teachers often describe us as human beings on a spiritual journey. But he says, I think it's equally true that we are spiritual beings on a human journey. Both journeys are crucial and each should complement the other. Humanity is not a disease that needs to be cured or a state of deficiency from which we need to escape. 
The spiritual journey is not intended to make us into angels, cherubim, seraphim, gods, or some other form of spiritual being. It's intended to help us become all that we as humans can be. And John the Baptist is pointing people to Jesus through this embodied practice. He's baptizing them. He's dunking them under the water and raising them up and pointing them to Jesus. And Advent is this practice that engages our bodies and points us to the hope of the world in Jesus. I hope we can point our hope to Jesus tonight. John is most famously pictured and remembered for the way that he pointed away from himself towards Jesus. Here's some examples. That statue um, on the left, your right, (laughs) is from the Rodin Museum. Has anyone seen that in person? It's right here in our city. I haven't seen it yet either. We, We retell the story of John the Baptist every year as we wait for the birth of Christ because John's mission, John's purpose, is key to understanding the significance of the birth of Jesus. He got people's attention and told them who Jesus was and what he would do. So let's uh, read a small part of this story in the book of John, chapter 1, 29 through 30, 31. Can someone read this for us? Next day, John saw Jesus in the and said, Look, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him. The reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Thanks, Aaron. The gospel writer John, who's recording this, is telling us the end of the story here. He quotes John the Baptist, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And the listeners or readers knew about sacrificial lambs. They celebrated that festival of Passover every year with sacrificial lambs, commemorating the time when the Israelites, who had been enslaved in Egypt, were freed from their oppressors. And the freeing of the nation of Israel was known as the Exodus. John the the Baptist was telling them with this announcement that Jesus is God's sacrificial lamb. And Jesus' death is later recorded on the afternoon when the Passover lambs were being sacrificed in the temple. So the writer of John wants us to understand the events of Jesus as this new exodus. While the Israelites were freed from dark days of slavery under Pharaoh, through Jesus, a new people were being freed from an even older slavery. And while the Jews were commemorating the Passover with sacrificial lambs, Jesus was the true Passover lamb. The Gospel of John is full of this kind of layering, and he he's telling the story of what God was doing from the beginning. It's poetic and it's complex, and yet it is, it's simple in its truth that Jesus, our friend, is coming to us. I think the main message from John the Baptist tonight that I was hearing for us is that we need to do something with our bodies to make a way for Jesus. 
Our embodied life as human beings gives substance to the faith that we profess or even are just exploring. We make a way for Jesus to come to us as we enact it, as we show up, as we tell the story, as we sing of the hope, as we gather as a cell, as we welcome the stranger, bake cookies, and give them to someone. Our Christian faith is one that gets enacted over and over again. It doesn't just get worked out in our heads. We can have a lot of thoughts, but knowing ideas doesn't transform us. Getting it all worked out in our heads isn't enough. And is that really possible anyway? Our bodies help us work out both our ability to welcome Jesus and be welcomed by Jesus. Let me explain that by making a comparison. I know that comparisons are not always helpful, but this came up in a conversation the other day at my house when some folks had gathered for brunch to talk about Circle of Hope and to get to know each other. Someone asked about our statement of beliefs. What, essentially, what, 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 what is it? Most churches have, um, w- w- on their websites, featured a statement of belief as their defining characteristics. Having and accepting the right thoughts about faith is a common way for people to organize themselves and even whole denominations. And uniform thinking creates definite barriers around who is in and who is out. Christianity has often been reduced to a list of questions about God and creation so that what you believe makes you a Christian or not. And the church has a long history of dividing up based on correct thoughts about God and Jesus and the Bible. Now, these thoughts are important, of course. And as a Christian and a pastor, I'm committed to a life of ongoing study and thinking about this. But my participation in living out a life of love that Jesus called us to is the expression of my faith. Creating an environment where people can explore and express God's love is where the formation of Jesus' followers happens, more so than information. But we choose a dialogue of love and a common mission of following Jesus to bind us together over issues that splinter people up usually over correct thought. So instead of a statement of beliefs on our website, we have proverbs. We have a communally gathered convictions that drive us. That ex- they express what we think faith in Jesus looks like more than they are a statement of beliefs. They don't spell out everything that you have to believe. They are more focused on how we express beliefs in our context. And that expression is embodied. It's it's about the formation of a kind of people who are finally free, like Megan had us singing earlier. We are people who are free in this cosmic sense from bondage, from the darkness of slavery, and that we live in the light of Christ. If we want to prepare a way for Jesus, 
coming to us or extend the welcome of Jesus to others. We live it out in tangible, embodied ways. What Megan didn't tell you is that she is a doula, and she coaches women giving birth. And specifically, she works with women who are incarcerated. So that whole, the whole meaning of that song as we sang takes on a whole new meaning when, with, to me as I, I'm being led by Megan up front because she, your grace, oh God, the anchor. You give new life and finally we're free. I, I'm thinking about women who literally are in bondage and giving, giving birth to new life. She, rep- she embodies that grace, the grace of God, and she has to fight for it every day. The corrections officers and other um, facility administrators don't necessarily honor these women or their bodies or the process of giving birth. And she advocates for them and literally makes a way as these babies are being born. You don't have to do that kind of dramatic work to to be embodying this. I, I thought of a million examples Just a few tonight already were our youth playing here tonight, making literally making music before God and leading us to worship. Our hosting team preparing the welcome, the setting up this room so that we don't have to have um, fluorescent lights on, (laughs) warms the room, right? It feels different to be here. We literally wanted to make a space that felt different, that was tangible, the cell who baked cookies, many, many cookies to share with you tonight so you could be welcomed with a cup of uh, coffee and hot chocolate, something to eat. There's all kinds of examples of this love that gets worked out day to day in our life together. So we have time to talk back, and I'm considering this an extension of the talk. I wonder if you could offer some examples of ways that your faith has been worked out in the flesh, you might not even be sure of the meaning of all of it, but just showing up here tonight is is doing something. It is forming our hearts um, in the direction, in one direction towards God. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.